the altar of Slabotka was once, I think it was him, was once, once approached by a young man and the man said to him he comes from a small that he comes from a small a small shtetl and in that shtetl he's the only one that ever actually went onto yeshiva and he's learned and he's a chazan and he can blow shofar he's, he's religiously extremely advanced compared to the rest of his shtetl. So he went to the altar and he said to him, should he go back for Rosh Hashanah or not? In other words, being in the yeshiva during Rosh Hashanah was a huge advantage, being surrounded by the people that you'd learned with and the place that you'd learned, in the, an environment whereby the, it was charged with the feeling of the, the moment of the day that one could almost, the, the sense of the recreation of man occurring at this point in time becomes palpable. So to be in that environment is radically different from being in an environment where people don't have that same level of, of awareness. <coughs> so it's a qu- serious question, what should he do? So the altar looked at him and he said to him, I don't understand you. You've come from this place. They've raised you. They've given you everything you've got. And now when you have abilities, you're not going to return to them and assist them in the time when they need it? Upon which, Bocha went back to Ishtetl and davened there for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and led the services and blew the shofar. He came back to the yeshiva after the Yomim Noroim and the Chagim and the altar refused to talk to him. He's a bit of offended, a bit astonished. After a month, the altar agreed to talk to him and the first thing he said to him was, how could you have left the yeshiva for the Yom in the Rome? So the Spurbacher said, but, but Rebbe, you told me to. He said, I never told you to. I told you it's sad. I told you a reason why you should go back. I never wanted to make a decision for you. And there was another, there was another side. In other words, what the altar was trying to teach this young man was that in every decision in life, there's always two sides to it. And the self is revealed in the choice you make. And the Bale Musa were perhaps... They overemphasized, or perhaps they correctly emphasized, the idea of choice by constantly challenging a person in what he was doing by suggesting perhaps he should do the opposite because only by seeing the other side can you actually make a informed decision about what you want to do and in doing so that's when you become a person because you've made a choice everything we do is about the choices we make another story is with the altar of Slabotka's um, him and uh, Rav Ruderman who became a Rosh Hashiv in America once saved up months and months and months grush by grush to buy a pair of woolen tzitzis which halachically are more mehudar than other kinds of tzitzis and he was so excited when eventually he had the pair of tzitzis in his hand and he went to show it to the, to the altar and the altar looked at him and he said hmm. he said why didn't you buy cotton tzitzis 
and give the rest of the money to Tzedakah there's so many poor people here and he was broken <coughs> and the Alta's son-in-law Epistok Isaac Sher went to him afterwards and he says don't worry had you given the money to Tzedakah and bought cotton seeds he would have asked why and bought woolen seeds the point was to get the person to think for himself to think for himself now as we come up to Rosh Hashanah as the person gets closer and closer <coughs> to the Yom and Neroim, the experience of the holy days takes place within a context. The context is the shul, the yeshiva that you find yourself in. And the context has a very powerful influence on the day. Which is why we choose wisely where we spend those days because they're so significant. Rav Dessler says that there are different types of decisions in a person's life. There are the daily decisions which over the course of time gently steer a person in a particular direction and then they're the crossroads decisions which occur occasionally they're not everyday occurrences career marriage partner choice location where a person should live and those decisions are made once but the consequence of the decision has huge ramifications to every aspect of the person's life Rav Dessler categorizes a person's choices on how he behaves and acts and governs and chooses a place to pray in Rosh Hashanah under the latter category. It's called a crossroads decision because that point in time, the point whereby man is given an entire new option to recreate himself in a very different way is a kind of opportunity which can radically steer you in a different course for the good of Hatzvah not. So therefore, it's a very important day. Because of the gravity of the day and because of the awesome consequences, a person has to be ever vigil not to lose himself in the process. And there's two ways where that loss of self can occur. A person can lose himself, as it were, for the good or for the bad. And the loss of self for the good is as damaging as the loss of self for the bad. The loss of self for the good would be a person goes to a minion and the minion starts is made up of people who are aware of the seriousness of the day, they appreciate its value, and therefore he's surrounded by like-minded people. But it could be that his immediate neighbors have a completely different approach to prayer than he does. For example, it could be that the way he gets the most out of prayer is by davening it at a pace whereby he doesn't lose concentration, and therefore it has to be quite quick. And he doesn't, because it's not his personality, to express deep emotion in the course of his thriller. So what he's doing is he's sitting here davening Shimon Esrei, and then all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he looks at his neighbor, who's way behind him, and is sobbing his eyes out. What can happen here, and it becomes dangerous, is a person starts to have a tinge of guilt inside, that his thriller is not like his thriller. And what he does is, so then he starts to, and this is where the loss of self begins to occur, he starts to try and copy and imitate the person next to him because he thinks, well, that's, that, that's better. And at the point in time when a person has to be the most in touch with himself, he starts to veer away from self-recognition and towards self-denial, and he starts to mimic his neighbor's prayer. Unfortunately, his attempt to become better is actually a departure from a much higher level 
of connection to a much lower level of connection because connection always occurs between me and someone else it doesn't occur between the person I'm not and someone else because then there's no connection connection has to be f- directly from within to without the, another person but it can't be from a self-created fantasy to some reality that's not called connection that's called distortion so therefore a person has to be ever careful that in the course of it you have to have the strength of character that when people are doing things around you you have to realize who you are and what you are and do not copy the Vilna Gon says it in Evan Schlemer in Evan Schlemer um, he writes that A person, when when protecting himself against the veyers, doing things which are wrong, he has to do it in accordance with the way he is. Even though people laugh at the way he behaves. Here the Gaon puts across the notion of individuality and spiritual pursuit. You have to do what's good for you. What you understand about yourself. And even if everyone around you is doing something different, whether it's you have to dive in longer than everyone else and they laugh at you because they think, why is he sitting in Shimon yesterday? Because the people around you, could be the people around you, they finished after five minutes, ten minutes. And they may finish quickly after 25 minutes. Sorry, guys. Welcome to Rosh Hashanah. But, and you dive in longer. So you start to think to yourself, oh, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be more than I am and you start to lose yourself in that way, a person ultimately, the only person you have to be is who you are. But you have to know who that I is and not to become swept away by a current, whether it be a current of overfromness or underfromness. You have to be able to stand up for yourself and daven and be the way you are. Now this is so crucial in general, but on Rosh Hashanah it's even more powerful because Rosh Hashanah is when you are coming in front of the king and you're saying, this is what I am. I'm here for you. And you're presenting yourself. There is nothing more harmful, more ludicrous, than at the point when you come to prevent yourself, you invite someone else to represent you. And you say, that's me. That's absurd. It's ridiculous. That's the complete antithesis of what you're trying to achieve. It's akin to a person that wants to invite an honored guest to his home. He looks around at his house and he says, you know, the truth is, there's not much shade there. I mean, look at this furniture. It's old and tattered. And the floors are grimy and dirty. And the kitchen needs redoing. And the windows are cracked in many places. There's no way I can have this on the desk in my house. Do you know what I want to do? How? For a week, he wants to come stay. I'll hire a villa in the neighboring neighborhood. And I'll just pretend that that's my home. And then he'll have a glorious suite. And he'll have a bathroom. And he'll have a view. And he'll have a garden. And the guest arrives, and you say, come inside. He says, I didn't know you lived in this villa. So the person says, well, the truth is, I really just rented it out for this week. So the guest says, I don't want to visit someone else's house. I want to visit your house. But my house is dirty and grimy. He says, I don't care what your house is. Because if I come into your house, you'll feel it. I'll feel it, we'll connect, and the chances are you'll have to clean up your house to let me inside. And when I leave, I'll leave some type of impression on you, and something would have changed. You would have had me in your home. But if you hire out someone else's villa, and then you invite me to come to that, so then your house remains identical in the same place, and after I've come and gone, nothing would have changed. 
So we have to become very aware of the fact that we're not hiring out someone else's being for Rosh Hashanah. And the environment is crucial. The environment is crucial because the environment can exacerbate that desire to do so. If you're surrounded by people, for the better or for worse, who are, as I said, exuberant in their devotion to Hashem, so then you feel you have to be that. Or alternatively, if you're surrounded by people who, who really can't be bothered, and for them, being in shul is an arduous task, and they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs and waiting for the, for the end of the service, so then you also have to be strong and try to appreciate what there is in the day. I think of those two challenges, the easier challenge is to be in an environment which is more conducive and to limit yourself in terms of not becoming swept away and losing yourself than to be in an environment which you don't feel that today's Rosh Hashanah, it just feels like it's a Yom Tov. It's a very difficult. It's very difficult to to connect to the to the power of the day when the people around you think it's just another time when you have lots of food to eat, as is a Jewish custom. So that's important. Um, I think it goes even deeper. This notion. It's not just like a side issue. The Ramchal in Der Hashem, when he discusses the way the world works, he says an interesting point. He describes that the world is created in order to test us, to bring the best out of us. And the way this was done is that the Creator in His wisdom took the different types of challenges available, different type of ways of being challenged in the world. He divided up. He gave each person a different job to perform. Someone would have to have the challenge of being poor in order to be able to retain his faith. Another would be given money in order to give to the poor person. And that's how they'd interact. So each person really had a very different job to perform. Therefore, each person has got his own portion, his own goal, his own mission, both internally and externally. He has to contribute something to the world that only he can contribute, and he has to fight a battle from within which only he can fight. And then comes along the Ramchal and he says, The Yudnu Masov Bemidas Dino And the judgment is on did he do his job? The judgment is not on some type of standardized test result that did you in this great accounting book in the sky score a better amount, a greater amount of mitzvahs over various. And the Abish is sitting there with a gigantic red pen. And he's going, hmm, good, good. Uh, oh, 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 <laughs> Thought pistachio shells were mukta. Oh, 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 gosh, that's six Shabbases in a row. <laughs> ah, here we go, one second. Chesed in the morning. Brought your friend a cup of tea. That's nice. It's not that he's sitting there like in the Kira Kodesh Bolcha, like towards Rosh Hashanah time, he gets like very busy, like examiners, you know, they're going, oh, thousands of papers to mark, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, Ruvain Ben Shimon, case study 3,042,000. Oh, it's got Virchoy Sashacha. 
twenty percent. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Rather, rather the din is the judgment is the coach broker says, listen, I'm giving you a job to do. Of course there's a prerequisite that you have to do within the framework of Torah and Mitzvahs. But that's not the job. That's the company rules and obligations. The job is the job. The job is you. So the depth of losing yourself on Rosh Hashanah is not just I'm deviating from the person that I feel myself to be. It's that that's the point of view where it's the most crucial that you say, listen, Yakodesh Baruch Hu, this is what I can offer, and I can't offer that, and I can't offer that, and I can offer this. I can do this in your world. I can contribute this in this, your world. I have these potentials. My filler can be this and not that. And in doing so, you're presenting yourself. You're allowing the king to come visit you. The king coming to visit you in the nimshal is that you open yourself up and you say, in the darkest recesses of myself, I welcome you in. Meaning, I try to let the divine light shine on every part and aspect of my being. Meaning, I try to move forward in who I am as a person and try to make it more of a meaningful existence. That I'm not just absolutely enveloped by my own selfishness but rather I try to extend every deed beyond the moment that it exists to some type of meaningful contribution. I'm not just drinking a drink because I enjoy the taste. It's giving me strength so that I can say hello. It's maintaining because I have a purpose. Purpose. Everything becomes infused with purpose. That's called involving the king, letting him in. Into me. Into me. Into who I am. when that happens so then there's no fear to present yourself for who you are because you realize that any other alternative would be completely self-defeating if you're going for a job interview and you look at your cv and you look at the job application and you say to yourself the truth is my cv is not going to get me this job but i've got a good friend that his CV could get him this job. So I'll ask him to impersonate me. Now, if you've got a successful con artist friend and a CEO who's not astute, so that may work. But it doesn't work with our controversial. Firstly. Secondly, there's obviously a very grave error if you feel that your CV doesn't fit the job. Either you don't have the right perception of your CV or alternatively, you're applying for the wrong job. You have to apply for your job. It could be the problem is you're trying to get someone else's job, and then you feel you're not qualified enough. Because, Harry, the job I'm applying for is I'm applying for a Yashif's job. It becomes extremely problematic because I don't know any halacha. Mmm! <laughs> so how are we going to wing this one? Um, let's think. I can mumble a lot. Maybe I'll refer. You can't. Obviously, that's not the job. That's not the job I'm meant to be doing. The job I'm meant to be doing is my job. So now you have to be very brutal and honest about yourself and what is my job. And my job is limited by my being, and by my talents, and by my midas, and by my past, and by my present, and by my friends, and by my parents, and by, by my qualifications, and by, by everything. And then somehow I have to carve out for myself that I can actually perceive myself 
in the light of, you know what? With everything I have, I see my mission and how I can be an Eved Hashem. Meaning, I see that I have a job to do for the company that can be very productive. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. Because Rosh Hashanah is, again, Rosh Hashanah, you don't mention what you want. You mention, you, you announce, you pronounce your faith in the company. I believe in this mission. And the, in the context of that, you're expressing your desire to do the job. And the person and the job that needs to be done is who you are. That's what the uh, Rabbeinu Yoyna says in Shari Tshuva. In Shari Tshuva, in the second Shar, he has motivations for doing Tshuva. Um, one of them is death. <laughs> Not that if you die you'll do Tshuva, but the fact that you will. Now it's very interesting, he deals with it, I believe, in a very healthy way. If a person considers his mortality, imagine if there'd be no such thing as death. He says he brings the Chazal which says, It's very good. Hashem says, What is It's a day of death. Imagine if you had a, a race to run and there was no defined finishing line. So the chances are you wouldn't run very fast because the finishing line could be miles and miles away but when you know where the finishing line is and you've got competitors running on either side you know exactly how to pace yourself so Be'etzim Yoyma Mesa the day of death is a finishing line but you're right we have a problem because we don't know exactly when it will be but we know there's, an, we know there's like a, a maximum amount of time but he says an interesting thing so he says a person conceiving of his mortality infuses him with the value of life every second of life becomes valuable in what, in what way? has given a person insight he'll think to himself sent him he's an agent to this world to guard his station it's a very strange language to keep his Torah and his statutes so he says four things he has to guard his Torah his statutes and his mitzvahs but then he says another thing completely and he says Mishmartoi almost says he's got a job to do he has to keep his shift that should be the focus of his life because then every one of his movements is charged with meaning he knows what he's doing and at the end of time when his time comes to go he's done his shlichus he's performed his mission faithfully he'll be able to go back with joy like a, a, a servant that the king sent a emissary that the king sent to do a mission overseas that when he's been given a mission, like any person who's been in the working world know that knows that when a person's sent on a on a business trip, so again there's there is abuse, but a person who's focused and in, has integrity in his job, he understands the purpose of the trip is business. He doesn't he doesn't think that okay I'm going to Paris, so he's going to spend the first four hours touring France and then touring Paris and going up the Eiffel Tower and d- deliberately push a business meeting. He realizes that listen, it would be it would be fantastic to go for a cruise down the Seine and go up the Eiffel Tower and go visit the Louvre and finally see the Mona Lisa. But soft course soft, if I'm going to lose all my business meetings, so I have to make sure that I'm prioritized right. And those things are geschmack and gewaldic. But if I don't have the time to do them, so then I have to be focused. I have to be focused. So the goal in life essentially according to the Rabbeinu Yoyna 
is you have to know what you're here for and you have to know what you're doing and when you that fits into place so everything else fits into place as well because then a person he doesn't have to pretend to be someone else he's not plagued by guilt because his imagined mission is really someone else's mission that he can't live up to he's completely integrated he's completely at peace he understands what he has to do and he understands that because he has these strengths he has to do it so therefore when formulating the mission you have to be very careful do not take some type of objective criteria some hero some idea you heard in a schmooze somewhere father's schmooze and say gosh that's the person I want to be don't take some type of well I heard the story about Reb Moshe Feinstein and I want to be Reb Moshe Feinstein because then the source of the mission is located in a place outside of you well if it's located in a place outside of you so when you try to superimpose it on yourself it may just not fit and if you perpetuate that so you'll be in this constant vicious cycle of not living up to the person that you mistakenly think you should be you're trying to read someone else's script so therefore the mission that you come to has to begin from within and go to without you have to understand your talents your strengths your goals your limitation and fashion what you feel you can contribute and sometimes that mission is an evolving one there's a general sense much like when a person begins to study a degree when you start off studying a degree you have no idea what area of super speciality you'd like to engage in in the future if you're a doctor you may want to be a focus all your energies on the pancreas that little banana shaped piece of internal apparatus you may want to you may want to do that people close to me do, <laughs> do. Um, which is amazing because then you can make a real contribution but when you start with general medicine you have no idea you, you, know, you think the pancreas is a stomach another organ ah, the pancreas but, but as you go on as you go on and you and you you, you you refine your code but you know you want to be a doctor right now you're aware of what you want to be what exactly how that's going to manifest 30 years down the line you're not sure so again we're at the beginning of a process of this mission we haven't got all the points defined but you can still have a general direction you know where your crucial interests lie and in doing so you can come up with a vision of purpose the vision of purpose is something that, that you can then present to yourself and work on and then when you go to Rosh Hashanah you won't be swayed aside by people's activity on either side of you because you'll understand that they can do something else that you can't do and you can do something else that they can't and in doing so your entire approach to the day will be very very different so to sum up as we go into Rosh Hashanah there's all types of social pressures from all different sides and there's internal pressures and there's a whole lot of stuff going on side inside outside it's an emotionally charged time it's a very powerful time of year and therefore there's a lot of potential growth and there's a lot of potential areas for pitfalls in order to remain solid the first lesson you have to remember and inculcate inside of yourself is no matter what, no matter when, do not lose who you are. By that I mean, do not try to be someone that is against your natural tendencies, against your talents. You can only be who you are. And even if all the people and all the king's horses and all the king's men want to make you into someone else, you can't, you cannot accept the fact. The beginning of purpose is self-acceptance and sometimes that's a hard thing to do because it means cutting off potentials that you may like to fantasize about 
And therefore, a person has to be mature enough to say, do you know what? I'm never going to be that. But when you say those words, you can cut out a niche for yourself and what you can't be. Until you've said those words, until you've acknowledged what you're never going to be, you can't really be yourself either. So, I don't mean to limit you, I don't mean to allow you to lose aspirations of greatness, on the contrary. But the greatness has to be a self-generated one and not an externally imposed one. So, we should use these days ahead of us, as we head towards Rosh Hashanah, for some engaging self-discussion, coming to terms with purpose, with talent, with strengths, with potential weaknesses which could stand in the way of the expression of those strengths. And in doing so, there's no more appropriate way to prepare for Rosh Hashanah. Trying to take the combination of who we are as people and the mission statement of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from the world and see how quick we can marry those two things. We're applying for a job. Let's think to ourselves what job we'd like in the company. And in these days, which I think are full with Siyat Deshmaya, with assistance, um, it's my feeling that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should assist us in that process so that we can come before Him on Rosh Hashanah and we can express our enthusiasm about the potential of realizing great spiritual light of manifesting HaKosh Baruch's presence in the world through our unique actions and in doing so if everyone does the right job so then that's essentially what is called the Geula Shleimah in Herobiyam.